I can't tell you the change in the last 24 months in terms of insurance carriers sort of somewhat interested in what we were describing to now insanely interested in, in the solution that we're describing. I'm pleased today to be here with Tom Wild. He is the CEO at Indico Data. Welcome, Tom. Hi, Josh. How are you? I'm well. Glad to have you on, and uh, I think you're doing some interesting things that are very relevant given some of what's in the news these days. So maybe, maybe you could just tell us a bit about Indico and you know how it relates to insurance and insure tech, insurance innovation, digitization, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I'll kind of break it into two parts here. I'll talk about sort of the, the business uh, solution orientation we have, and then we can talk a little bit about the, the technical approach and the, the, the uniqueness there. So we focus on solving the intelligent intake challenge within insurance. And intake represents an awful lot of the of the starting point of critical business processes within insurance, such as underwriting, claims, policy servicing. And the sort of common denominator there is that most of those processes and workflows start with some kind of email or document that comes into the carrier that has to be dealt with somehow. Um, and by dealt with, typically, uh, what that is, is turn unstructured data, scan PDFs, emails, documents, images, into structured data to feed what is effectively now core platforms and decision systems that insurance companies have invested in, in the past uh, five to 10 years to, to, to drive improvements in their business. So that's the, the business orientation we have you know, to the business pain uh, that we see across uh, these lines of business with, within insurance. Does that mean that some companies maybe put the cart before the horse in the sense that they invested in some technologies uh, or maybe bought a car, but they didn't have the gas they needed to put in the car to drive it? That's exactly right. So, you know, if we think about the arc of, of sort of automation and digital transformation in the last 20 years, especially in financial services and insurance, you know, the first place they started was, was mobile, right? So if you think about how we all interact with our banks and insurance companies now, it's all through your phone, right? So that was kind of the the original transformation effort was was transforming engagement, right? That customer moment. Then if you kind of fast forward to the last, say, five years, the transformation started in the back office. So that's really what I call transforming transactions. So that's FP&A, accounts receivable, accounts payable, planning, um, you know, all of those kinds of things that any large company has to do. Now, forward to today, they're really focused on, on what I describe as the middle office. The middle office is where all the critical decisions happen, right? So I think of underwriting claims and policy servicing as, as a kind of a middle office function. It's unique to insurance. And it's exactly what you just described, which is everyone certainly has gotten religion that data is, is the most important asset any company has. And boy, is that true in insurance. Uh, in fact, both my parents were actuaries. And I, I think of the insurance actuaries as the original data scientists, right? Data scientists are certainly you know, in the in the limelight now with good reason. But if you think about it, that's what actuaries were from the very beginning. How to take data and turn it into decisions. In this case, you know, decisions about risk and adjudication uh, and things of that nature. So as they licensed and deployed these very powerful core platforms and decision engines, they have sort of woken up and said, well, shoot, all of those things assume we're going to feed them nicely structured data so that they'll, they'll work correctly. It's like, to your analogy, that we're going to feed them unleaded gas, right? But but that unleaded gas doesn't exist. And in fact, the only way to get it is primarily in the middle office through manual effort, 
right? See it and key it, you know, download and print a document, key it into a database. So absolutely right. Is there something particularly unique about Indicode data and the way you guys approach this relative to other solutions out there? Yeah, I think that um, we were really early in understanding the impact that deep learning, first and foremost, as a, as a machine learning technique, and second, large language models, uh, those would have on this use case, right? So we've, we've been at this for over seven years. Uh, we were the first to build an enterprise large language model approach that allowed customers to build, and now we'll get into some technical detail, custom machine learning models, which are important to interpret this unstructured data. Now, of course, you know, large language models are are in the standard, you know, vocabulary. I was, I was, you know, laughing with one of my, my teammates the other day. I was flying home and I just hung up a call with, with a customer talking about large language models. And literally the guy on the plane next to me was talking about large language models on, on a call that he was having. It's, it, you know, what are the odds of that? It's, it's insane how we've gone from nobody really understanding why large language models ma matter to everybody, you know, wanting to take advantage of them. So that's a unique strength of ours. And that's been the big differentiator, the big disruptor that Indico has brought to the market is, is using large language models in an enterprise setting, right, to, to solve unstructured data challenges. I happened to be at a conference last week where there was a panel discussing kind of the role of AI broadly defined. So one of the panelists was arguing that generative AI wasn't really ready for insurance yet. Another panelist was basically saying, I think it's here already. And so I do you have a take on that? Yeah, I, I would strongly disagree with with the first panelist's statement that uh, generative AI is not ready to handle insurance. That that's simply false. Um, the incredible power of the most recent releases, GPT four being the the most recent release, uh, and and you know the Google equivalent and the Facebook equivalent. Yeah. But let's 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 focus on GPT four because I still think it is the you know the leading edge of the market. Let's talk about this thing parameters for a second, right? So the reason unstructured data and, and speech and text is so challenging is that it's not really a discrete problem. The way to understand written and spoken language is all about the context. So think about that context. Our brain handles this because our brain can handle all of these parameters that are, are contextual. A machine historically has not been able to do that. The math problem was too large. And a parameter is really all of these different vectors that are the clues to what the context is uh, when I use a particular word, when I say a phrase, when I when I when I share a paragraph. That's what the big breakthrough is here of large language models. First, you know, pioneered by by Indico in the enterprise setting, and it, with our ability for you to build a custom machine learning model with only a couple hundred trained samples. That was a huge breakthrough because prior to that, it took you know ten thousand samples. Now you see uh, something like GPT four with a trillion parameters. It basically has shown the world that it can understand virtually any context you give it. There is no longer this notion of, well, insurance is too unique for GPT-4. That's not true. Now, what is true? The ability to correctly prompt these super large language models to give you the answer you want is still a unique skill. That's number one. Two, you have to be comfortable giving all of your data you know, to these cloud-based solutions to get the answer back. Not everyone's comfortable with that. By policy, most of the customers we work with would not allow that, right? You can't just take all of this highly sensitive data and throw it out to the cloud. And third, it's very expensive. So um, the good news is it's a trillion parameters. The bad news is it's a trillion parameters. It is extremely computationally intensive and expensive um, to run these models and use them to, to, to make uh, predictions and so forth. Now, uh, there's, an, there's another issue here with with generative AI is that it also hallucinates. 
So it's not very good at explaining to you why it came up with the answer it gave you. And in fact, it may make up the answer because it's designed to be a pleaser, right? It's designed to answer your question, whether it knows it or not. It doesn't right. know enough to say, I should say no to this question because I actually don't know the answer. So the magic trick here is how do you solve for the cost problem, the security problem, and the hallucination problem to use large language models in a way that's appropriate for insurance? So in that sense, um, GPT-4 may not be ready for insurance, but not because it doesn't understand insurance. That's flatly false. We have, I think, a lot of listeners to this podcast who are, you know, people who either have started businesses and are running earlier stage businesses, uh, maybe thinking about it. Would you have any advice based on your experience, you know, navigating through that, that process to be able to have that high success rate? I think you have to deeply understand the realities of what a carrier needs at multiple levels. At a low level, we're talking about IT, DevOps, InfoSec. These are real requirements. And if you cannot meet them, they cannot use your product. And that may, may seem frustrating or unfair. And it is to the business users, by the way, as well, inside these carriers. They get just as frustrated as the you know provider vendors do it in our case. You must deeply understand that and be able to address that or you won't get anywhere. That's, that's number one. Uh, number two, you've got to really understand the user you're targeting. What are their skills? What is the day in the life of? How are you going to change what they're doing today and make it better tomorrow? That's really critical. And then third, what is the business impact that the organization is trying to achieve by using your product? You really need to understand that. What is success? I see this all the time. I see prospects come to us and be very prescriptive too early. They'll say, we want this to do this, to do this and this. And I'll say, wait a minute, like, how do you know that's what you need to, to, to get to the outcome you're looking for? Let's really make sure we're on the same page about the outcome you're, you're desiring and why it's going to matter. And then let's work backwards to prescribe the right approach. So it, it, I understand why they do it. They get excited and think they, they have the answer. But, you know, I really want to understand the question first. Um, so those are the three things that I think um, you need to think about when working with large carriers. It is a very complex, challenging, demanding category, um, but also, you know, uh, a huge uh, part of the economy that is going through a dramatic transformation and therefore opportunity. So when you sort of look at the the industry as a whole, and I suppose you could speak to it on two levels, one is specifically around these data issues and and the industry's ability to leverage structured data in new and meaningful ways, but then just in general investment in innovation and digitization in insurance, you know, where, where would you say we are? Uh, if it's a nine inning game, how many innings are we in at this point? I think we're in about the third inning. Uh, that's why I was touching on sort of the middle office is really where the action is. I can't tell you that the change in the last 24 months in terms of uh, insurance company carriers sort of somewhat interested in what we were describing to now insanely interested in, in the solution that we're describing. Um, it's clearly come front and center that driving, you know, I, I think uh, Deloitte calls it the exponential underwriter, right? That's a good description. What is what is an ex, you know exponential 10x, right? How do you 10x an underwriter's capabilities? That's the sort of bionic arm metaphor that, that we talked about there. Um, these are expensive people. They are typically quite tenured and experienced. And so it's not like you can go triple the size of your underwriting team tomorrow, even if you wanted to. We're in a still very tight talent market. 
a very competitive talent market if you look at the unemployment rates. So your ability to leverage the subject matter expertise you've developed at your company is absolutely critical. When you're talking about creating software, you're talking about the concept of software and not write me the HTML to do this or write me the Java script to do that. You're, you're talking more thinking in a, in a manner of chaining together instructions to get a result. I'm glad you said that because that's literally how I define software, right? And so the question is, do you want it to write a specific language for you, HTML? Do you want it to give you an answer to something? Well, that's just asking the question and getting this answer, you know, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So um, that's exactly right. I think when we kind of zoom out and kind of have a meta conversation about what software actually is, then, you know, this is a, a profound and, and next generation version of, of software, uh, a software uh, programming. Mm -hmm. Great. Well, I think we'll leave it there. And uh, it's been great having you on. Tom Wild, the CEO at Indico Data. Thanks so much. Thanks a lot. I enjoyed it.